What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas. This is episode 71, and today we're going to be looking, uh, we're going to take a, a close, deep look at AEW's first ever uh, live TV product, uh, Dynamite. It premiered this past Wednesday, going head to head with NXT on the USA Network. I've just dropped a, a podcast uh, covering that with Kieran Reed on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast, of course. But uh, AEW Dynamite premiered this Wednesday. It's been uh, long anticipated. We've uh, been hearing about it for months. We've been building towards it for months we've had a few pay-per-views and a few smaller shows uh, to get us all excited uh, but this was the week when uh, TNT had live wrestling back on its channel for the first time in over 18 years and we're going to be talking more about that very very soon but before we get stuck into AEW and Dynamite I'm uh, going to throw out our usual social media plug so of course if you're on Twitter go and follow us at with Jonas underscore pod that's at with Jonas underscore pod uh, to get our kind of daily tweets and updates on there if you're on Instagram uh, you can find us uh, just search for wrestling with jonas that's instagram.com forward slash wrestling with jonas and of course go out and search for our ever popular fun and interactive facebook community page just search wrestling with jonas and jonas is spelled j-o-h-n-e-r-s and of course if you enjoy listening to this podcast please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can be notified every time a new episode drops this is your only podcast uh, you need for all of your weekly NXT, NXT UK, WWE pay-per-view reviews, AEW pay-per-view reviews, and all-round wrestling needs. So please spread the word. Uh, tell your friends and tell your family and help to grow this podcast so that we can continue producing quality content for you guys and girls every single week uh don't forget that there's uh, currently voting uh for the second annual wrestling podcast awards um and the link to the uh, sheet where you can uh, uh nominate your favorite podcast is pinned to the top of our facebook and pinned to the top of our twitter page so go and find those links click on those and uh, vote for Wrestling with Jonas for the second annual Wrestling Podcast Awards. The four categories we'd like to be nominated for, uh, besides Best Podcast, but that's decided by the host of the uh, the awards, we'd like to be nominated for Best Solo Podcast. That's Best Solo Podcast, Best Newcomer, Best Interview, especially uh, with our Jimmy Corderas interview that dropped a couple of months ago, and Best Branded for all the work we do on social media and uh, kind of the, the look and the presentation of the podcast in general. So please go out and search for the link at the top of our Twitter and Facebook pages for the second annual Wrestling Podcast Awards and vote for Wrestling with Jonas. Thank you very much. But without further ado, I want to introduce our two uh, AEW experts. Um, uh, they've been on the show before for uh, Double or Nothing and All Out pay-per-view. So I want to reintroduce Chris Thornton and Ash Crawford. So welcome, gents. Welcome back to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Good to have you back on board. Great to be back on the show uh, for the third time now, John. Thanks for having yes. me back. Yeah, very, very excited. Ash, good to have you back, buddy. You uh, you missed out on the all-out pay-per-view. You had uh, family commitments. I know uh, family comes before anything. Uh, so uh, good to have you back on board, buddy. Yeah, good. I missed it. I'm glad to be back for this one. So thank you for having me. No, you're very welcome. So good to have the three of us back, uh, a three-man booth here to cover the first ever AEW Dynamite. Um, and uh, I know that we've been looking forward to it for, for quite a while, guys. And we've obviously seen, we saw All In last year, which was kind of the precursor to AEW being launched formally as a, as a brand um, at the very beginning of this year. So uh, you're talking what AEW has been, been known as a brand for nine months, ten months. Um, we, we had Double or Nothing in May. We, we reviewed that, of course, and that was a... a a knock it out of the park success that was a 10 out of 10 success and really enjoyed covering that really enjoyed watching it as a fan then we had uh, fighter fest and fight for the fallen which were maybe a notch or two below but still gave us some good action and some good talking points and then we had the, the very good all out uh the 31st of august so going back uh, over a month or so now that me and chris reviewed but kind of we, we, we've had a few weeks without any AEW action, guys. Um, it's been built up quite nicely through their YouTube series. And uh, kind of starting with you, Ash, kind of what were your kind of anticipations and thoughts and feelings going into AEW Dynamite? Uh, kind of where were your emotions before Wednesday night? Yeah, I've been um, really, really excited for it to finally get going because obviously you've had the, the YouTube stuff, but unless you're an avid fan like myself, a lot of people are going to miss out on that. So it's nice to, to finally get the show going. They can start kind of building the roster, introducing the less familiar faces and kind of properly start building storylines, actually having a product that hopefully can and will compete with and kind of help the other companies flourish. Yeah, definitely. And, and Chris, I know that you've been uh, looking forward to this one. Um, t tell us your kind of emotions going into it, your thoughts and your feelings. I'm guessing you were uh, very excited looking forward to this one. 
Very much so. Yeah, as you know, been uh, kind of waiting for this for a long time. Um, they, when it finally came, it didn't disappoint. Um, it was in the middle of a very exciting week uh, or month, even for wrestling in general, I think. And the anticipation of uh, what the competition was doing only really kind of also highlighted uh, the arrival of AEW Dynamite. Um, so, yeah, um, I can't wait to kind of get going. As Ash said, you know, this is the real chance to start. Uh, will continue, I should say, the, the revolution that Cody keeps mentioning, I think. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, and a very exciting week for wrestling fans in general. I mean, I've just spoken to Kieran Reed, which has done a podcast covering this week's NXT and SmackDown and looking forward to Hell in a Cell. And I think the general vibe is that it's a, it's a wonderful, fantastic, exciting time to be a wrestling fan. And this week especially was billed as premiere week, especially if you're a, uh, a WWE fan. You obviously had the, the, the season uh, a premiere of, of uh, Raw. Um, they're not moving channel or anything like that, but they had a new, fresh look and... Um, uh, Ray Mysterio and Dominic uh, got uh, got beasted by uh, by Brock Lesnar on that edition. You obviously had uh, NXT going head to head with AEW, of course, Wednesday night, and they pulled off an excellent two hours on Wednesday. SmackDown was another success last night with The Rock making an appearance and a few other surprise appearances. If you haven't heard, Cain Velasquez um, kind of had a bit of a beatdown with Brock to close the show. And uh, Tyson Fury was in the crowd as well. Um, and, uh, of course, you've got Hell in a Cell to look forward to tomorrow night. But, of course, we're going to be spending the next hour or so talking about AEW and the first ever Dynamite. So is it, it was uh, hosted in front of um, a sellout crowd of 14,000 um, at the uh, sold-out Capital One Arena in Washington. And uh, Tony Schiavone reminded us that uh, this was the first time that wrestling has been on TNT for nearly 20 years. I think it's probably closer to maybe 18 or 19, because I think the last WCW Nitro was in 2001, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so this is, you know, history uh, not lost on the commentary team. Um, and it was a, a very highly knowledgeable, very experienced commentary team. You obviously had Jim Ross there. And uh, Tony Schiavone, uh, I think Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone taking a bit of a backseat as more colour commentators, from what I could tell, with Excalibur doing the play-by-play. So uh, the significance on this debut episode of Dynamite cannot be lost on any wrestling fan. And I'd say it's the first time in 18 years since uh, uh, there's been genuine alternative and some genuine competition to the WWE, giving them you know some sort of competition and a reason to step up their game, uh, which I think WWE have certainly answered the call there. Um, good for wrestling fans, good for wrestling in general, and uh, even more importantly good for the talent as well because it gives uh, uh, other wrestlers an option and an alternative to kind of step into the big uh, the big league without uh, being part of the WWE machine but um Let's have a look at our first match. And it kicked it off uh, in, in excellent style with uh, Cody coming out, uh, the leader of uh, the elite and kind of the, the leader of this revolution, as you described it earlier, going up against Sammy Guevara. So uh, this one was announced as a 20-minute time limit. I think all the AEW matches are being announced with a, uh, a time limit to them. Uh, there was a, an eruption from the fans for Cody and Brandy as they came out uh, from underneath the stage. So quite an impressive entrance there. to huge chance of Cody, Cody and as he stood in the ring, uh, Sammy Guevara made his entrance with, a, with like a panda hoodie of sorts. Uh, quite a unique look there, but I think it's uh, kind of a, uh, a part of his gimmick. The, the panda, uh, I think, is quite a prominent part of his social media as well. Uh, let's not forget that Sammy Guevara is, is a former AAA cruiserweight champion, so definitely a worthy of being in this opening contest on this very important special episode of Dynamite. Uh, Cody hits a delayed vertical face face first suplex before nailing a middle rope springboard cutter for a two count uh, Sammy goes one better with a top rope springboard cutter for a two count of his own then there's a holy shit there's a holy shit moment Sammy pulls Brandy in front of an oncoming Cody as Cody dives through the ropes hitting his own wife uh, sending Brandy into the barriers at ringside Guevara misses two moonsaults however was able to connect with a Spanish shooting star uh, getting a two count from that exchange uh, then after being tended to at ringside Brandy gets her own back on Sammy Guevara hitting him square in the face with uh, with uh, her shoe by the looks of it, allowing Cody to hit his disaster kick for a close near fall. Uh, Cody gets another close near fall from a reverse suplex from the top turnbuckle. An impressive spot there. Uh, Sammy then recovers to show his athletic ability, leaping to the top turnbuckle to drop Cody with a, a Spanish fly. Uh, the match comes to an end as Sammy fails to deliver a shooting star press, finding nothing but a pair of knees from Cody, allowing the Nightmare to roll over Guevara for a 1-2-3. So that it's a pretty impressive way to kick off the show. The first show on TNT in uh, over 18 years with Sammy Guevara looking looking pretty strong in defeat, to be honest with you. He put in a really good shift, a really good effort, a fantastic match. 
um and uh even even got a handshake from uh from cody rose to end the match but before we got on to what happened next uh tell us your thoughts on the match gents so start with you chris what were your thoughts on this opener yeah described it very well there john it was um an excellent uh solid kind of match uh they didn't show kind of all their cards which was good uh, for example you know the crossroads uh, wasn't used in the end um so they've kind of held a little back there which i like um now the reception for Cody was just amazing. Um, it, yeah, you know, it made me a little emotional. Afterwards, you could see he had tears in his eyes speaking to Tony Schiavone. You know, the, everyone knows what this means to him. Um, but to see the crowd kind of repay that in that entrance was fantastic. Uh, yeah, really strong entrance for him. Um, the match itself, very good. I think it highlighted um, Sammy over Cody, which is exactly how it should have been. Um, interesting, he's now kind of being fully portrayed as a heel. They, I think before he was a little bit of a tweener, maybe. Um, and that came out towards the end. But yeah, great match. Uh, some great spots overall. Um, I actually really like the fact that Brandy was uh, hit, uh, but she didn't have to be escorted out. You know, uh, yeah. like we've seen many times, she stayed in the ring and then got a little bit of revenge. Um, in terms of the finish, um, I had a bit of a debate with a colleague at work over this. He's not a fan of kind of roll-ups or cradle finishes, but I am. They look realistic. It made sense straight after that move and it protects yeah. Sammy. So for me, a really like nice finish um and yeah i really like it was very solid very solid and um i i think it was the the right kind of pairing to go up against i can only imagine the pressure that sammy was feeling the very first match um so yeah good on him for like delivering there i think cody's picked a very wise opponent uh for the very first match yeah and even more interesting considering what happened at the end of the show which we'll get to a bit later on but uh, ash what were your thoughts on this opener uh, yeah well, just to touch on you mentioned the, the commentary team obviously um, an issue I had previously was some of the guys they were using for commentary, the team just didn't really seem to gel. So I am very, very happy that they've got Tony Schiavone in there. And I just think all of that works really, really well. Um, you touched on the incredible atmosphere, like the arena, oh, Cody's entrance, they absolutely loved it. He was soaking it up. It got everyone really pumped for the match. And I agree. I think it was a really good choice of match to have everyone tuning in to obviously see Cody as the established name going up against what I think is going to be one of their big talents going forward. Sammy Guevara is amazing. Um, he put on a good show. Uh, I will, I, I disagree with Chris though. I wasn't overly happy about the roll up at the end. I thought normally I'm, I'm fine with it, but I thought for the first match on their first show, it, I don't know, it, it just felt maybe a little bit cheap for me personally. Interesting, interesting. Um, but uh, at the end of the match, we was getting the handshake between Sammy and Cody. And just out of shot was the AEW world champion, Chris Jericho. He uh, runs into the ring and blindsides Cody, managing to drop Cody with a, a code breaker. And uh, finally, Jericho uh, gets the thank you that he uh, was after all these weeks from the fans. So a huge thank you chart from the fans there before dropping Cody one more time with a shot to the head using the AEW world title belt. Uh, Jericho delivers steel chair shots outside the ring before executing a vicious powerbomb, putting Cody uh, between two chairs. That looked pretty painful. Jericho finishes this segment by reminding us that uh, Le Champion, and of course, uh, that, that he is the champion, of course, and uh, with Cody winning this match, uh, almost uh, certainly sets himself up as the number one contender for their match at Full Gear in November. So uh, what were your thoughts on uh, on Jericho's attack? Starting with you this time, Ash. Um, I don't think we were expecting a kind of a, a, a blindside attack so early on, certainly with the world champion involved anyway, uh, but it all makes sense considering that they're going to be facing each other next month um but uh looks like a nice way to kind of cap off this segment um and uh, another kind of hot uh hot bit of action to kick off aw's dynamite yeah no i i thoroughly enjoyed it um i mean, this kind of goes towards the whole being able to properly flesh out the storylines now now that they've got weekly content coming you can have stuff like this then leading into next week and then leading into the pay-per-view and it's not something you need to go on youtube to kind of keep up with um, but it was a, it was a proper beatdown as well. It wasn't like a he runs in, he hits him, he leaves. Like he went full on, and I, I really really enjoyed it. And then obviously, kind of topping it off with announcing that he is AEW's Le Champion. Yeah. 
That's it. We all uh, we all enjoy a bit of Le Champion and a little bit of Le Barbie. Uh, but uh, Chris, what about yourself? This this post match beatdown from Jericho. Um, I think they they even went to commercials in the states and uh, Jericho continued uh, beating Cody down with the steel chair shots outside the ring. But a uh, uh, pretty vicious way to uh, kind of end this segment. Like I say, as Chris as uh, Ash said, sometimes you get one steel chair shot, or maybe a bounce shot, and then that's it. It did continue for a few minutes, and it was a, a pretty vicious uh, attack from Jericho. Yeah, it was certainly a sustained beating. Um, and yeah, like, well, you know, it wasn't commercial. It did continue. Um, I think um, it was a good way of kind of introducing him, you know, without uh, a massive kind of showpiece to say he's the champ. He just came in. He does what Jericho does best, antagonizes opponents, takes the upper hand. And it's already kind of playing into the, the build up to that match. I'm really looking forward to that match. Uh, I think it's going to be great. And I've got to say, Jericho looked probably better here than he has done um, in the last couple of months even. Um, he looks to be genuinely enjoying himself and he should be but he, he looked quite healthy as well um you know even looked to have trimmed up even kind of further from before so he's looking good and um you know week in week out when i've seen him as a champ he it becomes more and more the kind of believable champ that he should be really i think um but yeah he he, he did everything right no one plays the crowd like him and um yeah, great way to kind of introduce himself after that vicious beatdown. I really liked it. And um, I think my only thing was without saying too much about the ending, it was the severity of the beating didn't last very long on Cody. Um, so, you know, we'll maybe come back to that. But yeah, I yeah, would yeah. like to have seen that beatdown be kind of sustained and him not, you know, make any kind of comeback throughout the night. Yeah, but for any new viewers tuning in for the first time, if you weren't aware of who the AW World Champion was mm. at the beginning, you certainly were after that beatdown. I think Chris yeah. Jericho did his best to remind everybody whether you were familiar with him or not. But uh, then we go on to our second match, MJF uh, versus Brandon Cutler. So MJF makes his uh, entrance and reminders, reminds us of why he's one of the best heels in the business and one of the best on the mic, giving it to the fans and giving it to his opponent, calling Brandon Cutler a loser and that he must have got lost on his way to his seat behind the guardrail which I found quite amusing. Uh, now, I don't know too much about Brandon Cutler. I, I do know that he was high school friends with the Bucks, uh, but uh, he, he was a professional wrestler. He had to kind of dock out of professional wrestling or leave professional wrestling for five years to start a family. Uh, and I bet, to be honest with you, he'd wish he'd stayed retired after appearing to tweak his knee uh, off of a dive through the ropes and after jumping awkwardly from the top turnbuckle, landing awkwardly off the top, top turnbuckle, MJF takes full advantage of a referee distraction, uh, connects with a, a vicious forearm and then he applied his salt of the earth arm bar for the tap out victory i think the match only went a few minutes um but uh, what were your thoughts on this one uh, three minutes i've got here that the match went uh, mjf looked pretty dominant i don't know if the match went or ended the way it was meant to have ended whether the uh, the, the tweaked knee was part of the match or part of the storyline um but uh, it, it seems to end sooner than it maybe should have um but if it was planned to go three minutes then it was certainly designed to put mjf over as a uh, a, a credible serious wrestler as well as being uh, highly hilarious on the mic um, he's definitely a very capable wrestler. But uh, Chris, starting with yourself, uh, what were your thoughts on kind of this three-minute match and uh, kind of how it all went about, really? Yeah, I think one of the shames uh, of last night, one of the disappointments, uh, sorry, not last night, Wednesday, was the um, length of time that some of the matches went on for. Um, obviously, they didn't have a lot of time to pack a lot in, but MJF is someone I cannot get enough of, so I would like to have seen a slightly longer match from him. Cutler, it's weird seeing him wrestle. I've always kind of known him from helping out the Bucks with the, being the elite, uh, you know, kind of weekly show on YouTube, and he's always kind of been their camera guy. He's always been kind of there with them, so it's slightly weird seeing him kind of transition back into this role um he has got a kind of everyman quality that someone can get behind which is yeah. the perfect opposite to mjf i suppose um but yeah just to talk a little bit mjf he has a real like controlled disdain um he's so young he's so good uh it reminds me of like an almost a budgie roger a buddy rogers you know he's got that old school heel way of talking down to the fans uh, in a way that's uh, just great um i can't get enough of it and i generally think he, he's right he is going to be the future uh, of that company and if he's not that would be a real shame the match itself yeah. yeah very short not a lot to really talk about there uh, people kind of played their part as they should um submission finish for heels a slight issue with that i suppose because for the most part that's quite a clean victory there was the kind of ref interaction i suppose um and just a little note uh, on mgf again slight point of debate that i'd like to hear your guys thoughts on he is a heel 
but his alignment with Cody is always very face-like. And now I'm determined for them to get something out of this at the end of a long program. I think he has to turn heel on Cody eventually. I just can't really have him going around saying, I'm Cody's best friend, protecting him in one match. Uh, for example, Sean Spears. And then being this kind of super heel in another match. It just doesn't stick with me. I think that's my only criticism of him overall. Well, Ash, I'm going to hand it over to you. What were your thoughts on kind of this this three minute match and MJF and uh, uh, Chris's kind of point on on MJF that uh, one minute he's he's a face aligning himself with Cody, and the next minute he's a kind of uh, a beloved heel, uh, giving it to the fans and giving it to his opponent. What what would you say to that? Well, I, I agree with Chris. I mean, I I could listen to him every day, all day. Um, I do agree. It's kind of it does. It's weird with how much he hates everyone. But then he loves Cody and will do anything for Cody. But then I guess everyone has someone they'll do anything for. So maybe it does work. We'll, we'll see eventually. Um, with the match, it was it was a short one. I'm, I'm still not sold on MJF in ring because I've not really seen much of him in ring. And this didn't really do anything to alleviate that for me. Um, so I definitely I want to see more of him in ring, not necessarily with Cutler. Um, he was clearly nervous under the big spotlight. And I'm not sure if he genuinely hurt his leg or if he was just kind of playing it off because he stumbled on the rope. But um, other than that, the uh, the finish, he, he tapped way too early. Like, mm. I know arm bars, even legit arm bars, hurt a lot, but he tapped out almost before it was on properly. So this, this was probably my biggest kind of thumbs down for the night, unfortunately. I think, yeah. sorry, to yeah, a, a submission loss and the kind of injury and the speed, it doesn't look good for Cutler, does it? Like, that's not the way to introduce someone, really. You know, I know he was in the um, Casino Battle Royale before, but, yeah, I agree. That was, for him, that's very kind of disappointing, and it's probably not the way they should have gone with him. Um, but, yeah, that's that's how it went. Mm, yeah, but uh, at the end of the day, MJF won, and I think that was the you know the, the right result at the end of the day. And uh, uh, I think they've got big plans for MJF. I mean, you mentioned earlier about uh, Sammy Guevara, uh, another new face. A lot of people might be unfamiliar with him. Similar in a sense with MJF, but one thing that AEW are doing is they're, they're trying to get new stars through. They're trying to get new stars highlighted in 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 this type of match, this type of show. So uh, it's good for the product, good for AEW, and good for the talent that may not have been uh, recognized recognized properly in the past but uh, then we move on uh we get an appearance at ringside from jay and silent bob promoting their up and coming jay and silent bob movie reboot uh which also stars chris jericho that must be why they were there in the first place uh until they're confronted by jack evans and angelico who uh get involved into a bit of a verbal exchange with uh, bob and jay before private party come down to calm things down now for a second there guys for a brief second i almost thought we were going to get a match between jay and silent bob versus uh angelico and evans I, I thought that that was going to be an unannounced impromptu match, but, but fortunately, uh, for the sake of humanity, it didn't happen. But it does look like we're, we're going to see a little bit of a, a feud going on between Private Party and Anna Helico and Jack Evans, but a little bit of an entertaining segment. Then we went on to, uh, to have a look at the brackets for the up-and-coming tag team tournament to crown the first ever AEW Tag Team Champions. So uh, the Silent Order... Uh, sorry, the Dark Order, not the Silent Order. The Dark Order received a bye uh, to the second round after winning their match at All Out last month, of course. Uh, so on the left-hand side of the draw, we've got the Young Bucks going up against Private Party. Now, their match is going to take place next week. Uh, also on the left-hand side of the draw, you've got the Lucha Bros going up against Jurassic Express. Uh, now, I think... Um, two really good matches there hard to predict winners on the right hand side of the draw uh you've got the best friends going up against uh who are they going up against chris the best friends going up against this is really awkward i can't recall oh your favorite your favorite faction i was waiting for you to give us an seu call out there but uh never mind we'll, we'll do it again the best friends are going up against seu yeah Nice one. Um, and uh, they will go up against the Dark Order in the semi-finals on that side of the draw. So looking at the, the teams that are involved, uh, obviously you've got uh, the, the Dark Order who have the bind to the semi-final already. Uh, I'm guessing that the, the final of this tournament will take place at full gear. But uh, uh, Chris, starting with yourself, kind of, have you got any favourites there? Any predictions for any of the matches? How it might kind of uh, develop or unfold as the tournament progresses? We're going to be seeing, I think, a match or maybe two matches per week leading up to full gear. But what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, it's really nice how kind of unpredictable it is, actually, um, at the moment. Um, you've got the Bucks and the Lucha Brothers on the left side, so it kind of guarantees they won't meet each other, uh, as far as I can tell, in the final, if that's the way they're going to progress that, um, yeah. which I'm, you know, kind of keen to avoid again, because much as I love those two going at it, I, you know, we probably don't want to see that match so soon again, especially after that tremendous ladder match which tore the house down uh, all out. So... It's, it's it's difficult picking a winner. It, in my mind, it kind of has to be um, either the Bucks or the Lucha Brothers, really, in terms of who I would define as the best tag teams um, in AEW. Obviously, yeah, uh, even though I forgot them, apologies to SCU, a big fan. I still want to see them do well on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's generally quite interesting. Um, I couldn't really tell you who's going to win it, but I'm very much looking forward to it. I love a tag team tournament. It reminds me of kind of a SmackDown around the Paul Heyman era where you had, you know, the, the likes of Angle and Benoit, uh, you know, Edge and Mysterio and Aguero. So, yeah, I, I do love a good tag team tournament. So pretty excited. There it goes. But actually, I mean, I'm enjoying not knowing who's going to win it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I remember I'm old enough to remember the, the the kind of NWA and the early WCW days when they had the Jim Crockett Cup and the tag team tournaments that they used to hold on Clash Clash of the Champions uh, back in the old WCW or NWA days. Um, so this kind of reminds me of, of that going back 25, 30 years ago. Uh, what about yourself, Ash? I mean, you know, you've got some pretty strong tag teams there. I know that you're a big fan of the Young Bucks, but as Chris said, the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers are likely to face each other in the semi final unless they push the Jurassic Express uh, to uh, make the win over the Lucha Brothers, but um, uh, we'll have to see. On the other side of the draw, you've got your your favourite team, the Dark Order. Uh, they will face either the Best Friends or SCU in the semi-finals, so it's, it's hard to call, but what are your thoughts on some of the pairings and how it might uh, kind of evolve as we go through the tournament? Oh, I think it's incredible. The, the, the tag team division AEW has built is, is ridiculous. I mean, you haven't even got Santana and Ortiz in there or Angelico and Evans. Um, but, yeah, the, the bracket is, it could go any way, really. Me, personally, obviously, it's obvious I'm a big fan of the Dark Order. Um, I'd love to see them in the final. I'd love to see them as the first champs. Uh, my preference would be them against the Lucha Brothers, but... There's there's no real loot. I mean, there's there's no weak team in it. The probably the the lesser known team, obviously Private Party, but they have already shown that they're very very accomplished. I think everyone would love it if Jurassic Express made it through and won. Like they're they're already probably the most over new product AEW has. Yeah. And and yeah, you just you can't lose every team in the tournament. I I'd be happy with anyone winning the tournament to be honest. They're they're just all phenomenal teams. Yeah, well, I'm rooting for Jurassic Express. Uh, like you say, I, th I think that they're uh, massively entertaining. Um, everybody loves uh, 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 the Lucha Express. And uh, yeah, I can't wait to see. I mean, will they be the Lucha Brothers? Possibly if there's some interference or who knows, who knows. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a really exciting tournament that kicks off on next week's episode. Um, then we get a vignette with SCU uh, standing outside the White House, I believe. And then uh, the next shot, you see SCU on the stage with Tony Shirani. You've got Scorpio Sky there, Kazarian, Christopher Daniels. They start their promo, but get rudely interrupted by the Lucha Brothers uh, with uh, Ray Phoenix wanting to remind us that they are the best tag team in the universe. And the Lucha Brothers and SCU uh, give us their trademark chance uh, before launching into one another with a brawl on the stage. Uh, we then get shots of Kenny Omega and the Bucks getting ready for their match backstage. And they'll, of course, be going up against uh, Chris Jericho and LAX or uh, Santana on all tees later on in the main event. Then on to what could be considered possibly the match of the night, uh, Hangman Adam Page versus Pac. And now, uh, so this was the match I was most looking forward to going in, to be honest with you, to Wednesday's show. And with uh, Pac coming off uh, a win at All Out against Kenny Omega and Page coming off of his loss to Jericho at uh, All Out. Um, it, it's definitely interesting to see the dynamics of this match and whether or not Page can recover from his loss against Jericho, of course. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on kind of the dynamic of these two and, the, the, the matchup. Uh, this was a match that was, of course, scheduled to take place at Double or Nothing in May, um, but for one reason or another, that's not been fully explained. It didn't happen, and it kind of they got a, a little bit of a, a teaser of this match in a WrestleGate Pro match in Nottingham the week before Double or Nothing. But uh, starting with you, Ash, uh, kind of, I'm guessing you're a big fan of uh, Hangman Page and obviously Pack. What were your thoughts going into this one, buddy? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was expecting it to be the match of the night, and I feel like it, it delivered for me. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see how the wins and loss dynamic is going to go, because you've got so much talent in AEW at the moment, like this match being a prime example. Like, either one of them could have won it, but then big, big names are taking losses early on. So it's kind of interesting to see who's going to go where and how and how they're going to fit in all of this main event talent when they've only got two hours a week. Yeah, yeah. What about yourself, Chris, going into this match? What were your thoughts? What were your feelings? Very much looking forward to it. Uh, I think as we all were. Um, they've kind of, they do know each other, you know, the, these talents. So I knew it would be a, a good solid match. Um, yeah, in terms of wins and losses, it's interesting. They, they I think at one point I've, I've seen it displayed on the graphics as they were entering the ring. Um, it, it needs to be careful, this win-loss record, not to kind of hamstring it too much. Um, so yeah, as Ash says, you've had these established names like Omega uh, losing already. You know, they need to be careful not to get themselves into a corner where they generally have lost a few in a row and then therefore they've immediately kind of you know not even considered really um and a lot of the time i like a title match uh, based on maybe emotional it's a personal stakes you know not just about who could be the best so i just don't want to lean too much on that maybe uh, we'll see how that goes with that um but yeah in, in terms of me looking forward to the match i was really thought it was gonna be great pack always delivers um and again he did here uh hangman coming off a loss yeah i felt like he maybe needed the win in this match but let's let's get into it yeah definitely so the match started with an exchange of stiff forearms and kicks from both wrestlers before page connects with a wicked uh lariat turning pack 360 so turn him uh, inside out the match goes to the outside with uh page launching pack into the guard railings including a wild dive through the ropes turning pack once again into the guard railings uh page gets a two count from a running shooting star press pack connects with a cabrano on the outside to get a two count from a springboard 450 which was a pretty impressive spot there uh pack gets caught on the top turnbuckle with a super kick before being launched across the ring from a uh, kind of like a super fall away slam really for want of a better phrase uh, a super fall away slam and page gets a two count from that effort adam page then gets launched hard into the ring post sending him crashing to the floor on the outside handman drops uh, pack with a spine buster an incredible moonsault from the top uh, to the floor on the outside which looked pretty painful plaque uh, cleverly avoids the buckshot uh, which is uh, Adam Page's kind of uh, somersault over the top rope clothesline. Um, and then with the referee distracted, Pack drops Page with a low blow. I think it's a, a kick from behind. Pack then takes advantage of the situation by delivering a black arrow, formerly known as a red arrow in WWE, of course, the black arrow before hooking in the brutalizer or the rings of Saturn submission hold. The referee called for the bell, giving the match to Pack. Um, so the match didn't disappoint. Like I say, certainly up there would be a match of the night, in my opinion, with Pack getting the victory. Keeping Pack strong as he goes 2 0, two wins and zero losses in his AEW career so far. Uh, but a couple of losses on the bounce there for Hangman. And considering that he was the number one contender coming out of double or nothing, he's had a two straight losses now on two straight shows. So, uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Ash, starting with you, an excellent match. Both of the wrestlers delivered. And um, yeah, but, but you could consider maybe a slightly surprising uh, ending with Pack winning, but a much deserved win for pack of course so what are your thoughts uh yeah no I, I loved it it was it was my match of the night um although i've seen it twice now um there's some incredible spots that you touched on uh, i think just pack is he's so intense he's so savage and i think it, it's crazy that wwe let him go i don't know the circumstances surrounding that but um like he's obviously the the bastard and he lives up to that name uh, I think it was a great way for him to get the win as well, not only with the uh, the low blow, but the, the black arrow and then the brutalizer. I, just, I don't ever remember the rings of Saturn looking that nasty. It just uh, it's, a, it's a very uncomfortable move to watch. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what their plans are for Hangman now. It's always like you say, two losses on the bounce. He was their potential first champion. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see where they go from here. I'm glad they've got Pack. I hope they've got him for the long term. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where they're going with both guys. Yeah, I, th I think because of giving Pack a second victory on the bounce, I think they've got plans for him. I think he's around for the long term. But uh, Chris, I'd love to know your thoughts on this match. 
Yeah, um, probably for me, match of the night as well. Uh, closely followed by maybe the next match um, that we're going to cover, I hope. But yeah, it was it was really great. It was brutal. Um, Pack left with uh, some kind of blood uh, coming from his eye, I believe. It was leading around. He's got a great kind of look and attitude. Um, and he's the rare thing that even though he's a heel, he can still be as flashy and kind of uh, spot monkey, you know, whatever you want to say. Uh, but it still doesn't lose any of that kind of attitude that he has. You know, you still know, you know, that he's... He's a bad man, basically. He he's a great, you know. Clearly, he was the veteran in that match, and you could tell he was leading it. He expertly controlled the timing, um, and at points you could kind of see him advising um, Hangman. You know, just uh, a few little things. I think he even had to remind him to kind of roll over onto his uh, front to in order for the black arrow to be hit on his back, leading yeah. to the brutalizer. I am a huge fan of like combination moves like that. You know, combination finishes, and um, it, it's just so painful as you both alluded to. It looks great. Um, he he didn't um he didn't have very long in it either so big credit for Hangman for just kind of quickly you know uh, submitting there um but yeah really good really vicious just like the Omega match all the strikes are effective and um yeah you could really kind of believe you know the the action here um you've also both mentioned the two losses on the bounce for Hangman I'm surprised I genuinely thought they were going to shoot him to the moon straight away uh, right from day one. Um, so we'll see what they do with him now. And this is what I mean. If they're going to highlight the wins and losses, they don't want to go too much on that because straight away now we're discounting him almost, maybe see what happens. But yeah, like, you know, the more those losses add up, if they want us to think that they mean something in our heads, then they do, you know, and that's when you start thinking of these um, kind of uh, characters as not being winners. You start thinking of them as losers. So it's it's going to be hard for him now, I think, to, to come back again. Pack, I'd love to see him entered into the title picture at some point. Uh, I'm not really sure where he fits into the current dynamic, but if you're going to have two wins and look that strong and look at who he's beaten, I, I don't think they, they can discount him, really. Um, but yeah, fantastic match. Probably for me, yeah, match of the night. Yeah, have to agree there. I think going back to Adam Page, I think they'll possibly turn his two losses into maybe a storyline where he is a bit of a rebuilding storyline. Um, but uh, he's definitely a future world champion. There's no doubt about it. I think th- certainly within the next maybe six to nine months, he'll be back in contention. But he does have to work his way back up and get a few important wins under his belt. Um, has he been announced uh, for a match for full gear yet, guys? I can't remember him being announced yet. Is he, has he been uh, given an opponent for full gear? Do we know? Not that I know of. No, no not that I can remember off the top of my head. No. No, I, I know that uh, Jericho Cody have been announced and Moxley versus uh, Omega has been announced, but uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll be in a featured match and uh, no doubt get uh, turn it from zero and two to one and two. But we'll have to see. But then on to another match that I've been raving about ever since I saw it. I absolutely love this. And I don't think the Joshis have given us a bad match since they've come onto the AW scene, to be honest with you. But this was uh, uh, Rihu who uh, qualified for this match by beating her opponent to act all out uh, Haruka Shida and uh, Nyla Rose um, obviously won the Casino Battle Royal at All Out in August. So it's Nyla Rose versus Rihu for the AEW Women's Championship. So I've got to say right off the bat that uh, Nyla Rose, she just looked absolutely awesome even before the match. I thought she was awesome all the way through the match, but just her uh, her look, her demeanor, uh, definitely intimidating. She's she got a fantastic look, a great outfit. Um, and easily twice the size of her opponent here. But another thing I can't believe is, is Rihu, I think they announced her as a, a 12 or a 13-year veteran, and she's only about 22 or 23, so that means that she must be nine when she started as a professional wrestler, certainly when she started training, which is phenomenal. So at such a young age, she's, she's been wrestling for more than uh, more than half of her life, so uh, incredible there. But uh, the fans were definitely up for this one. They're definitely into this one. Uh, Rihu takes the match to the outside with a couple of running knees before Nyla catches Rihu with a, a flying crossbody, uh, dumping Rihu hard down onto the floor. Nyla throws Rihu into the barrier. She went from barrier to barrier before getting multiple chairs from underneath the ring, clearly risking disqualification if you if she were to use any of these chairs as a weapon on her opponent. Instead, Nyla set up her opponent onto a pile of chairs on the outside, and she went for a senton only to miss the move, uh, finding nothing but uh, cold, hard steel, and uh, landing. Uh, the landing looked pretty painful there for Nyla. Uh, Rihu 
hits a double stomp off the ring apron uh, directly onto Nyla on the outside before hitting a second double stomp back on the inside for a close near fall. And that was a, a very close near fall. I think that a lot of the fans thought that the referee counted three there. Uh, Nyla hits a, a devastating Samoa drop to get a two count. Then Nyla Rose hangs Ryu over the top rope before coming off the top turnbuckle with a, a pretty impressive uh, flying knee um, across the back of Ryu and gets a very close near fall. And that was a pretty awesome sequence of moves there. Nyla then applies her second STF of the match with Ryu uh, appearing to be completely wasted. But uh, Nyla picks her up. Ryu then gets floored with a, a big boot. Uh, then in a, in a super close near fall, uh, Ryu rolls up, uh, rolls through a powerbomb attempt, sorry, with many of the fans, many of the fans thinking she actually got the three count on that attempt, but uh, the referee signaled the two. Uh, Nyla hits a devastating Death Valley driver for another two counts, and the fans were on their feet for this one. So it was fever pitch, everybody was on their feet. Uh, the match comes to an end when Ryu hits a double foot stomp to the face of Nyla Rose, hooks the leg, and gets the pinfall victory to become the first AEW Women's World Champion. So I wasn't completely sold on Ryu before this match, but she's made a firm believer and a massive fan at me by the end of it. The dynamics between these two are off the charts, and I would definitely pay, I would pay cold hard cash to watch these two in person go at it again. But uh, that was an excellent match. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I think Nyla Rose, considering she's not been wrestling for too long, uh, she, she was really good in this match and uh, was uh, devastating in some of the moves that she uh, delivered to her opponent. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I'd love to know your guys' thoughts on this one. Start with you, Ash. Uh, the match itself, a deserved winner and the first ever AEW Women's World Champion. Uh, it was a hell of a match. Lots of punishment for Ryu, but she 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 came through and uh, she beats Nyla Rose in quite convincing fashion in the end. So give us your thoughts on this one ash yeah I'm, I'm slightly the opposite to you in that i was completely sold on riho going into this match based on the the six women that they had and her match at all out um, but i wasn't completely sold on nyla um, i don't know she, she's looked good but i think i wanted to see more from her uh, but she definitely delivered in this one i yeah. will say I was quite surprised that they set this up as the uh, the title match for the first women's champion. I had assumed, like I imagine many had, that it would probably be Britt Baker and possibly be Priestley. But um, you know, they clearly know what they're doing. They went with the right decision. Um, it's a difficult one when you've got such a huge size advantage to really kind of sell the match in the same way that like Rey Mysterio has always done in the past. Uh, so I think they did a really, really good job there. And I really like the finish because obviously Riho has quite a history with Kenny Omega tagging with him in the past. So to finish with like a running knee kind of akin to the V-trigger, um, I really, really enjoyed that. And yeah, it was a, it was a phenomenal match. So very, very surprised with it. Chris, what about yourself? Yeah, it was a great match. Uh, I was really pleased with it. The, the crowd were really behind it. Uh, one of my hopes uh, for AEW is that they put equal kind of spotlight on the tag uh, division and the women's division. They seem to be doing that so far. And this was indicative of that. Um, it's a match that really kind of highlighted the uh, diversity as well that AEW hopes to promise, I think. And um, I quite enjoy a kind of... Uh, big man, little man, or big woman, little woman kind of dynamic, you know, because of what the what you can do and the stories you can tell. Now, the story they did tell um, was simple but effective. Um, Riho repeatedly had tried to lift Nyla throughout the match, eventually kind of getting it off the top rope. Um, I was a little surprised maybe to see her as the winner. I thought that she would put in a really plucky, courageous effort, but ultimately, you know, just lose. So I was a little bit surprised. Um, it's nice to see, as Ash mentioned, reference kind of some of Kenny's moves, the double foot stomps, uh, the, the running knees, the V-triggers. Um, I, I need to point out that about the, the kind of senton spot onto the, the chairs, though. It didn't really make sense to me in a logical point of view. One, yeah, you've got the obvious disqualification when she's in a, a kind of advantageous position at that point. And two, it, it felt um, kind of an unnecessarily high risk, desperate move at that point in the match. Um, so, you know, she wasn't exactly on the back foot, uh, neither road. So it didn't feel like something um, that was quite right, but it was a great visual and it looked painful as hell. So, yeah, that was great. Um, as the match wore on, the, the kind of uh, crowd was getting more and more behind Riho. The strike she was delivering, I think she just gave it all with those comeback strikes. She was just <laughs> yeah. hitting Nyla repeatedly. It looked great and she can obviously take it. Um, 
And um, yeah, in the end, you know, I may be a little surprised at the winner, but I can't deny, you know, there was emotion in that match. Um, it was palpable and um, yeah, very strong. Um, good to see Brit involved, uh, as Ash also alluded to. I, for one, felt sure that she would be probably the first ever AEW Women's Champion. Um, to have her on commentary, she didn't really do or say a lot, but just to have her there was uh, logical in my mind to carry on the kind of next story. Um, but yeah, Riho, you know, what a star, basically. And Nida, that's her hometown in Washington. Again, just like Sammy early in the night, very high expectations, I imagine, on her. So I don't think she, uh, I don't think she failed to deliver. Definitely. But uh, then we had Michael Nakazawa. Now, <laughs> we've, we've seen him before pouring baby oil all over him, but uh, he came to the ring here to congratulate the winner. Uh, but then he gets attacked from behind by Nyla Rose, with Nyla dropping Nakazawa with a, a double clutch Liger bomb. Uh, she's about to destroy Ryu, the newly crowned champion, off the ring apron with a move before Kenny Omega comes out to save Ryu uh, from another pasting. But uh, like, like you say, you've got the, the Kenny Omega coming out. Are they setting up maybe a, a mixed tag or possibly an intergender match between uh, Nyla Rose and Michael Nakazawa? Um, I wouldn't mind seeing uh, Nyla Rose versus Michael Nakazawa because I think because of her, uh, she's quite an intimidating figure. I think she could definitely uh, give it to the, the women and the men of AEW. But that'd uh, be interesting to see where that leads. But that leads us straight on to the main event, guys. So it was only about a week ago that we actually found out that uh, Chris Jericho's uh, partners for the six-man tag was going to be the former LAX, Santana and Ortiz going up against uh, uh, Kenny Omega versus the Young Bucks. And uh, they announced this with, with TV time remaining. So we haven't seen that for, for a while, certainly since the WCW days uh, back in the the, 80, uh, the the 90s and early 2000s. So um, uh, what were your thoughts going into this Tremendous six-man tag going into it. I'm kind of interested to know your, your thoughts and your feelings uh, about the six people involved um, ahead of this match starting. We'll go into all the key spots very shortly. But uh, uh, Chris, starting with yourself, um, Santana and Ortiz, officially now part of AEW, of course. Uh, they made their presence known at All Out in August. In August. Uh, so uh, give us your thoughts on this one ahead of the match taking place. Yeah, we'll go into it a little when we go into the matchup, but a great spot for Santana and Ortiz to be in, to be teaming with such big names, you know, really big kind of push for them, really. Um, in terms of their opponents, I love seeing the elite tag together. Uh, it's fun. There's a natural chemistry. Uh, they've gone through so much, those guys. Uh, so it was fun uh, to, to, to have that. And it's a kind of a classic main event in that no one really has to kind of uh, lose too badly. You know, it's a, it's a good six-man tag. I've seen WWE pull this a lot of times. So they'll, they'll pull out some big names and put them together. Um, but, yeah, I, I was looking forward to it. Um, I'm always, you know, massive Omega fan. So any time he's featured, I'm going to be watching. Um, but, yeah, um, it, it was, you know, something that was rightly i think the, the main event it may not have been match of the night um but yeah i think in terms of the names and uh, the potential uh yeah right to put it on last yeah and uh, ash what about yourself going into this match you got uh, six big names there definitely setting up for a, a good way to finish the first episode of dynamite but i'd love to know your thoughts about this one um ahead of going into the match highlights yeah no, I, I agree with chris um it was the right choice to have uh, those guys in the main event like, it's all elite wrestling it had to be the elite closing the first ever show um, the only problem I really had was not necessarily a problem um, I would have liked them to have announced Jericho's partners as a surprise on the night rather than mm. giving it up earlier in the week like, you didn't need the hype you've already got the elite you've already got the champion you don't need anything else um, so it would have been it would have been a nice pop to have Santana and Ortiz come out at the end of the show, surprise for everyone. Um, but other than that, yeah, no, it's perfect way to close the show. Yeah, definitely. So the match starts off in fairly ordinary fashion with Omega taking out Santana and Ortiz before the Bucks uh, double super kick Jericho to the outside. But uh, uh, the Bucks exit the ring uh, onto the former LAX on the outside, leaving Omega as the only wrestler still inside the ring, uh, getting ready to deliver a move of his own onto his opponents on the outside. That was until we see John Moxley slowly rise and come up uh, from the back of the picture as he crawls into the ring from behind to attack Omega with a wild assault. Uh, Moxley throws Omega into the fans. They brawl around the arena with Moxley and Omega beating lumps out of one another. Uh, a mop even uh, comes into play there, uh, kind of playing into his cleaner character. I don't think that's uh, quite the same uh, until both wrestlers fight their way into a VIP lounge, a VIP area where Moxley delivers a dirty deeds, sending both himself 
and Omega crashing through a glass coffee table in this VIP area. That was an impressive surprise attack from Moxley and and uh, on, on Kenny Omega, of course, perfectly setting up their match at full gear next month. But uh, it does make the match a three on two now with the Bucks uh, facing Jericho and LAX by themselves. So Matt Jackson went for a, a tag only to have his brother pulled off the ring apron by Santana, preventing the tag from happening. Chris Jericho goes for a lion salt, only to find Matt Jackson's knees. Uh, there's a, a, a locomotion Northern Lights suplex sequence from Nick Jackson before he delivers a, a double Northern Lights to both Santana and Ortiz at the same time there. Then we see Nick Jackson go on a tear um, before setting up Ortiz for the best Meltzer driver ever. However, Matt Jackson gets cut off from a code breaker in midair, which was quite an impressive spot from the current AW World Champion Jericho. Uh, swinging the advantage back in the favour of the bad guys. Santana hits a running cannibal in the corner before Nick Jackson launches Jericho um, with a devastating Judas effect back arrow into his opponent. Jericho hooks the leg and gets to one, two, three pinfall victory for his team. So that was a, an excellent match. It didn't last too long, but it was action-packed, uh, full of dramatics, full of action, uh, full of uh, kind of continuous storyline for future episodes. Um, but uh, the, the current AEW world champion getting the win for his team there. So before we talk about what what uh, closed the show for this week, uh, give us your thoughts on, on the match and kind of John Moxley getting involved. Uh, Chris, start with yourself. Uh, Moxley coming, to, coming back from out of nowhere, it would appear, to uh, attack um, Kenny o Omega, putting him out of the match, putting him through a glass coffee table, no less. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match and kind of the uh, the, the, the John Moxley um, interference here? Okay, yeah, so let's, let's start with Moxley. Yeah, it was a fantastic image of him kind of rising behind Kenny and Kenny's face, uh, you know, was a, was a picture as he kind of slowly realised what was happening. I think my only criticism of that his appearance was a little maybe predictable. I believe he'd even been advertised to appear, John Moxley. Um, so we kind of knew he might uh, make an appearance at some point in the night. If it was going to be anywhere, it was going to be there. However, you know, if you didn't know that, then yeah, great surprise. Um, I can't wait for their match. You know, obviously, because it was cancelled due to Moxley's injury, uh, all out I've been like previously anticipating it so I'm really looking forward to it the the brawl was great and the kind of coffee spot uh, coffee spot coffee table a dirty deed spot that is the image that's kind of in my mind now that's been ingrained I think it was a really like great moment there it looked vicious as hell and um I really didn't think they were gonna go ahead with that um so yeah that that was that was great the match itself not really long enough in my mind um as you said a lot of action packed in there a lot of storyline development and continuation which was great i would have liked to have seen it gone a little further or at least a little further until moxley made his appearance um it seemed to come very early in the match um but yeah we got a nice little cleaner reference in there which i liked i'm not i'm, I'm it's a little weirded out by the fact they didn't give a disqualification for interference i i know aew might be slightly different but you know that the match carried on despite the obvious handicap um, I've just got here a note saying Young Bucks in motion. It's a beautiful thing. I even like the way now they're separating out kind of, you know, Nick with his, yeah, like poetry in motion style, continuous movement. And uh, Matt with his more powerful base moves, you know, the, the locomotion suplexes, you know, he seems to be working more the kind of upper body stuff now. And Nick's sticking to the kicks and the flips. So th they are kind of defining themselves, but still work beautifully as a team. I don't think anyone can do that better. Um, but yeah, it was it was really like action packed match. Yeah, I th wish it had gone a little bit longer. My only other criticism was I don't think Santana on a tease really got the time they needed to be highlighted and showcased like they should have been, considering they've only just been introduced. Really, I felt like they were overshadowed by maybe a little bit of overbooking and yeah, um, the the other stars in the match. So but yeah, loved the match. Great, great continuation. Uh, but yeah, just those few minor niggles for me. Yeah, before I hand it over to Ash, I just want to say, I mean, AEW have kind of built themselves on wins and losses, uh, uh, meaning something actually mattering. Um, but st this match was quite overly booked. Now, if this was any other promotion, you'd say, yeah, fantastic. It, it was booked perfectly. There was the, the interference at the right time and uh, the end result was it was fine. And the action that happened in the ring was fine. But um, do you think it kind of contradicts what they're trying to achieve when wins and losses mean so much to have so much overbooking and so much interference in a match like this? I mean, Ash, I'm going to throw it over to you. What, what would you say? to that buddy yeah i mean obviously it's it's new isn't it they're kind of feeling it out i think you're right it's yeah not necessarily working for them right now they need to kind of flesh it out kind of figure out what they're doing with it 
Um, they <laughs> probably shouldn't have gone quite so full on with wins and losses mattering so much before they they'd had time to kind of figure out how they were going to properly mm. do it. You're right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, your thoughts on the match, buddy? Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with what Chris. I think it could have done with running a little bit longer, having more of a chance to showcase Santana and Ortiz. Uh, my biggest um, problem with the match, I would say, um, I, the the Moxley attack happened too soon, and from a viewer's perspective, it was hard to watch the attack and the match. It didn't feel almost felt like they were kind of deliberately doing nothing in the ring because they knew the camera wasn't on them kind of thing. Um, I would have preferred it if it had happened maybe right at the end of the match uh, affecting the result or if maybe Moxley had shown up just after the end of the match so that you could understand why the Young Bucks were completely wiped out. Um, but other than that, it was a fantastic match. Like Chris said, um, like Nick Jackson with the, the poetry emotion that he, he's known as the best hot tag in the business mm. definitely showed why in this match. Um, yeah, I loved it. It was, a, it was a great match. Yeah, but the action didn't end there. So as, as Cody came down to uh, stop a post-match beat down of his friends, Sammy Guevara enters the ring to deliver a low blow to Cody. Uh, that's uh, a mile away from their handshake earlier on in the night. Uh, th- that was until Dustin Rose slid into action, slid into the ring to help out his brother and the Bucks, of course. However, in a surprise that nobody would have predicted, Jake Hager, the former WWE star Jack Swagger, of course, enters the ring to lay waste to Dustin Rose. He then lays waste to Cody and then to the Bucks and uh, he gets a huge we the people uh, chant from the fans in the uh, arena of course then Dustin is uh, gut wrenched gut wrenched bombed or gut wrenched power bombed through the timekeeper's table which is brought into the ring with Jericho delivering a final Judas effect uh, to his full gear opponent Cody to close the show so that was that was a, a, an awesome match in my opinion uh, you had the Moxley attack on Omega to put him through the glass coffee table in the VIP lounge. Uh, the action was hot in the ring with Jericho winning the match for his team. Then we saw the, the you know the progressing return of Jake uh, Hager. I know that he's had one or two matches for Bellator. Uh, I think he's undefeated in that at the moment. Who looked pretty dominant in his return. And, of course, possibly the formation of a new stable of bad guys in AEW to cap things off. Being led by the current world champion, uh, Le Champion. Chris Jericho. So, uh, what, I want your thoughts on the post-match angle, the post-match beatdown, the return of uh, Jack Swagger, or Jake Hager. Uh, Ash, starting with yourself, uh, what were your thoughts on this little segment to close the show? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the Hager turn-up was definitely uh, a surprise. I wasn't expecting to see him, but he, he, I mentioned possibly on the Facebook group that AEW was lacking a big man. Um, so he can definitely fill that role if he's going to be around long term. Um, I, I know Chris touched on um, earlier in the chat about um, Cody obviously turning up and not selling the beatdown from earlier, which I hadn't really thought about, but I agree. So I'll let Chris touch on that a little bit more. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a, a great way to close out the show. Uh, Chris Jericho dominant, the, like I say, the possible spawning of a new faction with current champion, big man, you know, tag team, the young upstart. Um, yeah, all in all, really, really happy with how it ended. Yeah, so Chris, you mentioned earlier how after the uh, post-match beatdown from Jericho in the, uh, in the in the show opener that Cody should have been hanging on to his ribs or uh, limping or showing some sort of effects from the uh, from the beatdown from Jericho to start off with all them steel chair shots and the powerbomb through the double chairs. But uh, he didn't really show too many signs of that here. Obviously, the adrenaline was pumping. He was trying to save his friends. But uh, did you want to add a comment or two about uh, this, this post-match angle and, uh, and Cody Rhodes in particular? Yeah, with, with Cody, yeah, he's it's, it's, it's a smart guy, you know, and if anyone believes in kind of old school selling, it, it's him. And to come down and dress like he was as well, you know, rather than, yeah, being teched up or having received medical attention, it, it did strike me as slightly odd. But I suppose it's a minor niggle. It was great to see him and his brother there um, uh, turn up to kind of defend, you know, the elite's honour. Um, as Ash mentioned, that, that's got the basis of a faction there um all together a nice heel faction um i think yeah jericho will do he does kind of use these guys as the heaters you know to keep um, people off him uh, up until full gear perhaps so i'd like to see cody go against you know maybe in a tag match against uh, santana and ortiz yeah and 
uh, maybe have you know, the Young Bucks go against them. So, yeah, keep those guys in play all rotating around each other. Um, but, you know, have those kind of two little mini factions now uh, square up. So it was good. Um, I think, yeah, along with the Moxley thing, it was quite a lot to kind of deal with. Um, as you've, you've said, it was basically the Moxley thing maybe should have finished it uh, rather than coming earlier. Uh, but at the same time, it did turn the numbers game into the heels of Vibe, so that played into that finish. Hager, fantastic to see him. He looked really good. He looked big. You know, he looked intimidating. Yeah, he did and, look big. Yeah, and I can't say I was ever a massive fan of the former, you know, Jack Swagger, uh, but this is kind of exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? AEW is a second chance for people uh, to be, you know, rebranded and come back strong and kind of right some of the wrongs from the past. So in that respect, you know, really glad to see him. I think if we're going to talk about who, you know, won the war, like AEW may have won the Reigns war, but I think in terms of surprise factor, it was definitely NXT this week. And maybe we'd like to have seen one more big name turn up to maybe balance the the odds uh, in terms of the faces. But yeah, great to see him there. Um, I think he could do really well there. He is a big man, as Ash said. Um, and um, yeah, uh, I think hopefully he, he can do uh, do much better this time. So, uh, starting with you, Ash, give us your kind of closing thoughts on the first ever episode of AEW Dynamite. Kind of from beginning to end, what were the highlights for you? What would be the lasting memories? I'm sure you'll be watching from week to week, but um, what improvements are there as well? What areas for opportunity? What uh, kind of niggles do you think they could kind of uh, straighten out over the weeks to come? Um, Biggest takeaway, I don't know, this is all in all for a, a first time show. I think it looked really, really good. Like, you know, it didn't look like an upstart company. It looked like a company that had been going for a while. Obviously, a little bit of flow here and there, like kind of the misstep with the uh, MJF match. Um, But I think they're they're starting to build everything now, which is, is what I'm really happy about. So we've got the tag team tournament to look forward to. You've got the possible heel faction, a lot going on there. Everything's building towards full gear. Um, I'm possibly hoping that Santana and Ortiz will get involved in the Young Bucks match so that Private Party get a bit of a push. Um, but yeah, all in all, it, it's a really good start. Um, I think what they're doing really well is lasting moments. Like, the, like Chris mentioned, the image of Moxley putting Omega through the glass table say what you will about the, the chair shot heard around the world as it was. Mm. Um, it got people talking. Obviously, it wasn't supposed to happen the way it did, but it looked nasty. It got people talking. They're doing a really good job of maybe killing the Attitude Era by almost emulating it in a way. Good point. And uh, Chris, your kind of uh, takeaway thoughts from this first ever episode of Dynamite and uh, kind of, you know, where's the room for improvement? I mean, I I thought it was a a knockout show, to be honest with you. When you kind of (coughs) stuck it all up together, uh, look at it objectively, I think that they definitely had uh, as good a first episode as any company could have hoped to have put on. But what were your kind of uh, final uh, observations, your final thoughts on this first episode? Yeah, I was, I was almost, um, you know, desperate for it to do well, really. Um, and it certainly delivered. So I'm not disappointed by any means. I think the commentary team, as you've both alluded to, has improved immensely. It felt very relaxed. I felt in good company with those guys. You know, it, it was nice. It didn't feel clunky or clumsy. The production has gone up. You know, as you said, it was top notch. There wasn't really a lot of production errors, as far as I can tell. I didn't think I actually spotted one this time compared to some of the pay-per-view errors they've had. And for a company that's... Uh, nine months old uh, you know we said it earlier it's just incredible it's almost close to being a finished product already um the tag team division is solid the women's division needs maybe yeah to build up a few other kind of women as stars there um but that's going to be great as well um and then you've got this lovely balance right now between up and comers and established stars you know i look at omega and i look at moxley and cody and jericho and these are stars you know they've definitely got those headliners and while you've got the competition relying on on people that you know are still relevant but haven't been in the ring for a long time you know they it speaks volumes that they they just kind of used what they had to the best of their ability i don't think they're going to make the same mistakes wwe has for so long i think they're going to continue to bring talent up through the ranks and um yeah it, it's it was really good really solid and i i actually looking forward to what happens next because i i generally don't know you know with wins and losses kind of as we've seen 
who can really say, you know, who's going to be the dominant player there? So it's great. I like it. I like the unpredictability of it all. Mm, definitely. Um, well, uh, thank you, guys. That kind of draws us to uh, our, our conclusion to review the uh, first ever episode of AEW Dynamite. Um, I think that uh, everybody involved in AEW has that uh, one random Twitter uh, wrestling fan to thank about two and a half years ago when he sent out a random tweet to Dave Meltzer saying, do you think an independent company could ever fill a 10,000 seat arena? And of course, a year or so later, they did that with uh, All In, and uh, this is where we are now with uh, AEW, and uh, they've done uh, two pay-per-views, two smaller shows, and now they've got their weekly TV shows, so uh, um, a, a, a massively exciting time for wrestling, and um, I thought it was a fantastic first show for uh, for AEW. I think uh, pretty much everybody shone, uh, apart from Brandon Cutler, not quite sure what went on there, uh, but uh, it's excellent. I can't wait to see more. I can't wait to watch it every single week. I can't wait to see more of Luchasaurus on there as well, because he wasn't... Uh, I thought he might have been on the first episode. I was disappointed that he wasn't, but uh, they obviously had a lot to fill, a lot to put into just two hours. Um, um, but um, there we go, guys. I want to thank you very much for being a part of this week's uh, podcast. Our, our special review, our recap episode of the first ever uh, AEW Dynamite. So uh, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Ash. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you for having us. No problem. Definitely want to get you back for future AEW reviews in the future. Uh, we may well cover more of AEW Dynamite in the future. We'll definitely be covering all of AEW's pay-per-views. So we'll definitely be getting Chris and Ash back on the show again soon. So that uh, pretty much wraps it up for this week's episode. Uh, episode 71 of the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Don't forget to hear uh, my recap of the other half of the Wednesday Night Wars, uh, where myself and Kieran Reed we covered... Um, all of this week's NXT, uh, which was the first time they were shown live on the USA Network. Like I said, the previous two weeks, it was half and half split between USA and the WWE Network. We also covered uh, this week's um, SmackDown premiere on Fox, and we uh, gave our predictions for Hell in a Cell, which is taking place on Sunday night. Um, so, uh, yes, that pretty much uh, covers um, another element of premiere week. Um, so, uh, thank you, Chris, and thank you, Ash, and don't forget to keep it tuned to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast for all of your weekly NXT and NXT UK updates, WWE pay-per-view reviews, AEW Dynamite and pay-per-view reviews, of course, and so much more. And if you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, please don't forget to spread the word, tell your friends and tell your family, and don't forget to subscribe to the Wrestling with Jonas podcast so that you don't miss out on a single episode. Um, and don't forget to vote for the Wrestling with Jonas podcast at the second annual Wrestling Podcast Awards. Just follow the links that's pinned to the top of our Facebook and Twitter pages, and uh, don't forget to vote for the Wrestling with Jonas uh, for best solo best newcomer best interview and best branded podcast but uh, in the meantime that wraps up uh, episode 71 thank you once again to chris and ash and we'll catch up with you all again very very soon thank you bye-bye